Well, holy shit, we are back. It is the new year. Happy new year. Everybody, all the fans of Nick the American, guess what? He's back. It's 20, it's 2024. Holy shit. Happy new year, everybody. I hope everybody had a incredible Christmas, uh, a wonderful new year. I know I did. Well, I think I did. Uh, pretty much I did. But uh, super glad to be back. This is season two. We actually finished season one. And I told you about my mom a while ago. She didn't think we were going to make it three episodes. Thought it was a total joke. She still does. Hell with you, mom. This is season two. Season two. Can you imagine if we made it to season three? What that would mean for this show? What? What? All right. All right. So we got some stuff to talk about. Nothing more important than what just took place on Monday night in Louisiana, in the Big Easy, in New Orleans. And yes, we will talk about the Rose Bowl too. We should start with the fucking Rose Bowl. My goodness. So we had the college football playoff. And first, let me let me talk. We had college football bowl games the last several weeks. And a lot of it was very interesting because we were seeing quarterbacks like Kyle McCord from Ohio State who was in the transfer portal and I, I believe went to Syracuse. We were seeing quarterbacks not playing, and then all of a sudden you've got Oklahoma out there. Gabriel's gone to Oregon, and we've got this five-star Arnold recruit that we get to see. So on one hand, it was kind of exciting to see a few of these teams play football without their starting quarterbacks and get to see this new shiny young guy. On the other hand, it, it it made for some awful football games. We saw Florida State play Georgia. Georgia had most of their guys in. Florida State, once they didn't make the college football playoff, Jordan Travis obviously got hurt. They had an exodus of players, either go to the portal or declare for the NFL draft or not play. And we saw, what, a 63-3 to drubbing? Just an unwatchable football game. So... There, there, there was some good and the bad with with guys not, 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 not playing. I'm wondering when we do have 12 teams, will we have opt outs for the NFL draft? Hey, I'm a second round pick. I'm being slotted as a second round pick, and we are the 12th seed. We're the 11th seed in the college football playoff. We're not going to win it. Our team had three losses. We squeaked in. I'm not playing. Is that going to happen? That'll be interesting to see. Our, our, our. Our bowl season's kind of been ruined, I would say, is my takeaway. The bowl games are very uneven. Some of the lesser schools are actually funner to watch than the big schools because the big schools are just not bought in. They're just not bought in. So good to Oregon. Hey, Oregon, uh, down 6 nothing to Liberty. Whoo, Ducks, way to go. Way to go, Ducks. Beating Liberty like you did. Congratulations, Oregon. Did you get a chance to watch your Huskies, you know, your hated Huskies play later on that evening? Did you get a chance to see what happened? Oh, Oregon. I kid my 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 neighbors to the south. I kid my neighbors to the south. But so the two big games that had all the importance in the world. We had Michigan and Alabama play in the most fantastic setting in all of college football, which is Pasadena, which is the Rose Bowl. There's that, that you know, that's, you know, I, I told you, Belinda Carlisle kind of, you know, he's she's got my religion. Heaven's a place on earth. 
Well, heaven might just be Pasadena. Might just be the Rose Bowl. That grass, that natural grass field with the colored end zones, the rose in the middle. It's absolutely gorgeous. And so we had a we had a, a couple of big boys fighting it out in the Rose Bowl, Michigan and uh, Alabama, and uh, it ended up going to overtime. Michigan got stopped at the three. Jaden Milrow seemingly had a scene to the left. If you watch that play again and you watch the the Alabama right tackle, who's 365 pounds, get absolutely fucking destroyed by the, the, the defensive end for Michigan. I don't know his name. I believe he was like 245 pounds. Watch that play. Watch him take the right tackle for Alabama and put him right into the middle of that play and make it difficult for Milrow to, 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 see, that, to see that cut left where the hole was. He would have walked in. He would have walked in. Had that right tackle been able just to stone, just a just half as much, he just, but he just got blown into the middle of that play, and it got wrecked. I'm talking that DN was giving up 100 pounds to that Bama right tackle. So that play looked kind of weird. Why would they run a quarterback draw? When you look and see how it was blocked, you're like, shit, it was there 100%. The right tackle for Bama. He probably didn't sleep well. Saban's probably looking at replacing him. But uh, Michigan hangs on 27-20 in, uh, in overtime and actually has to come back to do it. And, and, and there's a couple of plays um, that made that possible. One of the plays that J.J. McCarthy made on that uh, trick pass where they threw it back to him, and he was able to turn around, get one hand on the football, one hand on the football, and secure it, and while he's getting tackled, throw it up to a wide-open receiver and get a 25-yard gain uh, on the first down into Bama territory. Had, had J.J. McCarthy not been so damn and so great on that play, that play could have gone the other way, and we're not probably talking about an overtime football game. We're probably talking about Nick Saban in the national championship once again, which would have been great for Nick Saban, right? for nobody else so good on jj mccarthy that play it I mean, how many quarterbacks in college football would have been able to make that play in that scenario in that situation i'm not sure many many would have so and i'll get into this i'm not sure jj mccarthy is a top nfl draft pick quarterback and i'm not saying he isn't we just haven't seen him throw the football around the yard and it's crazy to me to see over the last couple of months all of these NFL mock drafts that have got McCarthy inside the top 10. Inside the top 10. Very athletic kid. Probably can do more, a lot more than he's being asked to do in this Michigan offense. But a top 10 NFL thrower, a top 10 NFL pick, uh, a quarterback who can throw the football. I'm not sure that we've seen J.J. McCarthy make the kinds of NFL throws that you need to see him make to become a top 10 pick. Okay, so I'll table that for a second. Now, my Washington Huskies. Obviously, I didn't go to New Orleans, and I'm not going to Houston. I don't have the money. Come on. The logistics are crazy. The time of year is crazy. It was 
you know, I'll tell you what, Texas fans, you guys had a home game. I've got buddies that were there that said it was, you know, 80-20, 90-10 Texas. It's just a, a, a stone's throw away from New Orleans. And so Austin, the Longhorns, had a huge home field advantage, like they did the previous year when the Huskies went down to San Antonio and played Texas in the Alamo Bowl and beat them again, beat them previously. But uh, for the nation, for the for the folks out there that aren't from Washington who listen to this podcast, I hope you got to see what we have been watching for the last two seasons, which is Michael Penix throw the ball with trajectory and and velocity and touch. The guy has thrown has made every single throw on the field. There is there. There is no spot on the field that is safe when Michael Penix is dropping back to pass. And the degree of difficulty on some of these 40-yard downfield throws that he makes, that he's been making for two years, is incredible. And I know everybody wants to talk about the the injury history to Michael Penix when he was at the University of Indiana. He's played two clean seasons uh, with the UW. He's been absolutely phenomenal. I've been saying to myself, this this is like one this is the finest thrower that I've ever rooted for. And I used to root for John Elway. This this Husky offense. The running game has been really good in, in, at times all year. The running game, Texas with, with Sweat and uh whatever the other guy's name was, Murphy. Murphy. They stoned our run, so to speak. Uh Dylan Johnson had 21 carries for like 49 yards. He had a couple decent carries. It was actually Michael Penix with a couple of quarterback draws up the middle in the A-gaps um, right at those big boys that got 10, 12 yards a pop. But uh, <clears throat> this is the finest passing offense I've ever rooted for. I've ever rooted for. Now, and it's arguably the best offense I've ever rooted for as a sports fan. The other being the 1998 Denver Broncos. We had Terrell Davis. We had John Elway, Rod Smith, Ed McCaffrey. We could run the football just like a vertical passing game with Terrell Davis. We had 2,000 yards that year. It was a damn vertical passing game. We could throw the football with the best of them, with John Elway, Rod Smith, Ed McCaffrey. So we were a very we were an extremely balanced team. The UW is not as balanced as as an offense as that Denver Bronco 98 team. However, this passing game, it touches every corner of the football field. In football, there's an adage, you, 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 you fight for every single inch. Well, you better cover every single inch when Michael Penix is dropping back to pass because he will drop a 38-yard pass down the sidelines where no one can catch it. But a screaming Roma Dunze down the sidelines. And if you've got to, got to take a look at the three Husky wideouts, Adunze, McMillan, and Polk, you know those are three NFL guys. So I'll tell you, we went down the field, scored against Texas, 7 nothing. They came back and scored against us, 7-7. We muff a punt. Uh, seemingly we were up 14-7. Maybe we were going to go take a 21-7 lead. Hopefully we muff Jeremy Bernard muffs a punt. They tied up 14-14 and it ends up being 21-21 at half. And as a Husky fan, I'm telling you what, I had a few friends over 
My sons are watching the game. I don't think I sat down. I'm pacing around the entire time. This is as nervous as I have been. This was Super Bowl-type atmosphere, Super Bowl-type nervousness. So I'm pacing around. It's 21-21 at half, and I'm telling my friend Greg, I'm like, man, it, we're just not destined to be in the fucking national title. And that's me. I'm negative Nelly. I'm trying to, like, out and – I'm just trying to be so negative that the the opposite will happen and we'll actually win. And I'm telling him – I'm trying to remind my friend Greg of – Husky basketball against UConn a couple times where we were seemingly going to the Elite Eight and 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 UConn, you know, was able to score a, a bucket with no time on the clock like two times against us and just kind of break our hearts. <clears throat> so I'm I'm reminding my friend Greg of a basketball game that took place 20 fucking years ago. And as a reason why we're not going to win the game when it's 21-21 at half. And the Huskies came out in the third quarter took the ball and scored a touchdown immediately, got a fumble from Texas, weren't able to cash in a couple of uh, field goal tries with touchdowns, which kind of you know kept the Longhorns in it. But what is interesting is what happened at the end of this game. So, hell, it's 34-21. We're seemingly going to win. Texas goes down and scores. It's 37-31, we ended up getting a field goal on a great throw down the left sideline to Roma Dunze by Penix. But basically, we've got a nine-point lead. We just got the onside kick. The game is almost, almost essentially over. All we've got to do is run the football. Or I'm screaming at the TV from first down on, take a fucking knee. Take a knee three times. I'm like, there's too many bad things that can happen. And one of the things that I was thinking about, I wasn't thinking about, was an injured player. I'm thinking, we get a holding call, stops the clock. Why mess with it? You can fumble the ball. Yes, we still have to punt the ball away, but we're going to punt the ball away from the 50 down to the 10 or the 15. And they're going to have 15 seconds left with no timeouts to try and score a touchdown. It's it, it, it's probably you know you know gosh nine hundred and ninety nine out of out, out of a, a thousand times you win the football game and you take those odds every day of the week. Instead, on third down, on third down, I'm thinking, oh, now we'll take a knee. Nope, we run the football and our running back Dylan Johnson has a foot injury and he is he's hurt. He's in serious pain. Instead of forty seconds, forty son of a bitch in seconds. Coming off the clock, seemingly taking away our guaranteed victory. Dylan Johnson's hurt and he can't get up. The clock stops. This is essentially an extra timeout for Texas. And so the Husky crowd at my house is like up in arms and we're like, we're going to lose the game. We're going to lose the game. This is going to be awful. Texas hits a 40-yard throw down the right sideline. They hit another throw. They're literally on the 12th with like 20 seconds left. And you're like, they've got, they're going to be able to take shot after shot after shot in the end zone. We're fucked. We are in trouble. Who do you want to be in that point at, at that moment? And, 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 and I'm, I'm, I'm spending the next few minutes pacing around my house. I probably should have done a video of it. You guys would have liked it. But I, I don't know if I can do, you know, you know, do those real-time videos. I do a podcast, son of a bitch. Anyways, I'm pacing around telling myself in my brain, 
we are going to lose this game. How am I going to handle this that night, the next day, all week? It's going to be hard. Well, Elijah Jackson, much aligned Elijah Jackson, our, our cornerback number 25 in the right corner of the end zone, was able to knock the ball away and let us breathe and let us uh, exhale and let us Washington Husky fans be in the sun for one more day, for one more day. Oh, my goodness. The Huskies are going to play in the national championship against the Michigan Wolverines. And we've got a little conundrum on this show, on the Nick American Show. Our producer, A.B., A.B., she is a Michigan Wolverine grad. I didn't go to the University of Washington. I was accepted a long time ago, long, long time ago. I didn't go to the University of Washington, but I bleed, I bled purple since I was like six. My father's been taking me to games, and we've been watching the Huskies forever. And so it's going to be Nick versus A.B. I told her at least somebody will be happy. I'm kind of selfish. I hope it's me. I hope it's me, A.B. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But, uh, yeah, and, and for anybody who, you know, I brought up uh, J.J. McCarthy, and I'm not talking shit on the Michigan QB. He's an incredibly athletic quarterback. I believe he's not being asked to do as much as he can do. I think he's that talented. The play he made, the double pass, probably, I believe, saved the game for them. But on no fucking planet would or should an NFL team take Michael Penix below J.J. McCarthy. We just haven't seen J.J. McCarthy make the throws. And he's probably going to make all those fucking throws against my Huskies. And I'm going to come back here next week and go, oh, man, McCarthy, he could really throw that damn football. I hope not. I hope not. Can Mich Is Michigan going to run us over with their run, their big boy football? Can we keep Michael Penix clean? If you tell me we have zero sacks like we did against Texas, 11 sacks all year, by the way, five sacks the year before, this offensive line can, lie, can, can pass block. If you tell me that Michael Penix doesn't get sacked, I'd say Michigan's in big trouble. We will see. Michigan's a four-and-a-half-point favorite. I love it. The dogs have been nothing but underdogs all damn season. And you know what? They'll win the national title, and they'll they'll probably say, you know, if they played it over, the final four over again, Washington wouldn't be plus 700. They'd be plus 1,400. Who gives a shit about respect? Go get your respect, Huskies, on Monday night. A.B., Washington Huskies and the Michigan Wolverines, we've got a storied history, and it'll get even more storied on Monday. We'll find out what the hell happens. So, anyways, Russell Wilson is done in Denver. Thank fucking God. I know there was some smoke and mirrors around our five-game win streak, and Russell's got 24 touchdown passes and eight interceptions, and... If you watch Russell Wilson, he does not throw to wide receivers. He does not. He throws to one wide receiver game. It's usually a guy named Cortland Sutton, and it's on a broken play, and he hucks it downfield. But in terms of taking a three-step or a five-step or a seven-step drop and ripping the ball to wide receivers on an inside slant or an outside go route or whatever it is, he can't do it. He won't do it. He throws checkdowns to tight ends. And running backs. That's what Russ does. So we hear Russ would not rework his injury clause. Had he have gotten hurt this year, 
at the end of the year. Apparently, his not just his 2024 salary, but we would have been on a hook for a guarantee of his 2025 salary. And so apparently, and th- you don't know what's true and what's not true. I, I, I've, I've seen reports that we didn't go and, and, and give Russ an ultimatum that we were going to bench him if he didn't rework his deal. Russell Wilson seemingly is saying the opposite. And regardless, I say, you know what, Russ? Get the fuck out of Denver. You know, I, I, I know you're a good person, but you, you are no longer a good NFL quarterback. It, it, it's kind of hard. You know, I'm sitting here talking with friends like, where will Russell go? Is there a team in the NFL that wants Russell Wilson to be their starting quarterback? Does Russell Wilson have to go to another team and compete for a job? Which probably means he signs a one-year $5 million deal with $15 million in incentives if he earns the job and plays so many snaps and all that sort of stuff. Is Russ willing to do that? Because he's done. In Seattle, for a long, long time, Russell Wilson made the game, the NFL game, look slow. The game as a Denver Bronco quarterback looks so damn fast for him. It is absolutely just too fast for the little fella anymore. And so I am I am I applaud the Denver Bronco ownership. I applaud George Payton for going out and making this big move to go get Wilson. I don't know why we re-signed him before he'd ever thrown a pass. That would have been a really good thing. Just to let him play. Hey, Russ, it'll be in season, but we're going to rework your deal. Keep in mind, Bronco fans, Russ had the two years on his deal when George Payton ripped it up and redid it. We could have let him play three or four games and then held our nose and said, oh, my God, we're not fucking signing this guy. Puke. Yuck. Russell Wilson's done in Denver. Thank God. I have no, maybe we'll get Michael Penix. Maybe we'll get J.J. McCarthy. No, I don't want J.J. McCarthy. I don't know who we'll get. Denver, you know, and here's another funny thing about the Broncos. We've never drafted a quarterback. We traded for John Elway. We got Peyton Manning in free agency after the Colts cut him. We traded for Jake Plummer. We have never drafted a signal caller as as a franchise that's been any good. So I, I'm not sure there's a lot of hope for my Broncos. But you know what? I'll take the Huskies all day long right now. Even though they're my number two in my heart. They're my number two in my heart. Man, they feel like my number one. They're close to, I bleed purple. <sighs> Come on. National championship. Give it to us. Give it to, hey, the Pac-12, the dead Pac-12. Finally woke up when it was too late. So, all right, enough football, enough football. Our our girl, Lauren Bobbert, my girl, Lauren Bobbert, is in the news. What did she, What is she doing? You know, I had talked about Marjorie Taylor Greene and her relentlessness. I was giving her compliments, you know, you know, because, you know, I do, I do dislike this woman a lot. I don't mean to, oh, God, Nick the American loves Marjorie Taylor Greene. He's a fucking idiot. No, I don't. I'm trying to help Marjorie be better. But I was pointing out Marjorie's tenacity, how she had moved districts to become a United States member of of Congress. She had moved districts. And a lot of people called her a carpetbagger. You're not, you know, you move districts. You're supposed to represent the district that you're actually from. 
And uh, I said, hey, she refused to lose. She was not going to be denied. Now, with her Republican colleague from the state of Colorado, Lauren Bobbert, this is a little different. This is a little different. I just want to point it out because it's interesting politically. Lauren Bobbert has won her district not once, but twice. And the last time she beat a congressman named Adam Fish, and they had a huge recount. It was down to like 100 or 200 votes. She ended up winning by a little over 500 votes, but she beat this Democrat from Colorado in her district. It was super narrow, super narrow. I wonder if she would have claimed voter fraud if she would have lost. No voter fraud if you win by 500 votes, but maybe voter fraud if she would have lost. Adam Fish, the Democrat, he he conceded like a classy political person that you know Republicans and Democrats have been conceding forever until the king showed up and showed them all, hey, you don't have to concede. This democracy thing is fucking bullshit. But, so Bobberts won this district twice. Adam Fish is running again. Adam Fish has raised $7.4 million, right? As, as we speak right now. Bobbert's got 2.2. So she feels she's in trouble. She is not running for re-election in her district that she's won twice. She's hightailing it up. She's going to a different district. Ken Buck, a Republican from Colorado, is retiring, is leaving Congress. He's had it. And from what I gather, it's a, a crowded Republican field. But she is going to move districts and take off and try and run in this Republican crowded Republican primary, and win a second seat in a different district. I, I you know, who cares, Nick, right? I, I don't care. I'm not going to bash her for it. You know, boy, you know, if you don't think you can win here, I guess, you know, either you lose or, you know, maybe you think you can go win somewhere else and it's better being in Congress than out of Congress. But Lauren Bobbert's statement just recently, she blamed the Hollywood elite for making her leave her district, okay? She specifically named Ryan Reynolds, the actor, Ryan Reynolds, and the actress, Barbara Streisand, as reasons she was leaving her district to go run in another district. The Hollywood money is ruining politics. I looked it up. Barbara, here, let me look here. Do I have it? Barbara Streisand gave her $1,500 and Ryan Reynolds gave her $1,000. Adam Fish has raised $7.4 million, but Bobbert had to leave because the Hollywood elite Streisand and Reynolds donated $2,500 total to her opponent's campaign. Honey, my goodness, Enough with the bullshit. Enough. We 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 heard the bullshit when you were giving your your liberal Democrat friend a hand job in the Beetlejuice theater, and you said it was a first date and you hadn't been dating him. Lo and behold, he had a bar where they would have uh, risque nights with. I don't even know what stuff Republicans don't like stuff. Lauren Bobbert can't stomach stuff that she says is ruining the fabric of America. Yeah. You know, you'd been banging this guy for several fucking months, sweetheart. And then you lied to us about it. You don't need to lie about it. I was pumping you up. I'm like, my God, look at 
She's working with a Democrat here. She's getting tangled up with a Democrat. This is how we work together, right? You don't need to blame the fucking Hollywood elites with $2,500 in campaign funds. When you do stuff in the limelight like you've done, you're going to get people to put forth money to you know to try and beat you that's just the way it goes you raise money and that's one reason why people say crazy ass shit oh my god people will hate you but the people that love it they send you a 25 dollars check a 50 dollars check to your campaign yeah you raise money that's why you say crazy shit sometimes so lauren bobbitt's moving districts will uh will keep tabs on it can she, she's got to win the Republican primary. She probably wasn't going to be primaried. She was going to get the Democrat in the general all to herself. She didn't think that was a good idea. It'll be interesting. All right. Now we've talked about Ken Paxton, the attorney general of the state of Texas. And the last time we talked about Kenny Paxton, good old Kenny Paxton, we were talking about Kenny with regards to abortion and Kate Cox trying to get an abortion in the state of Texas and, and uh, attorney general Ken Paxton shutting that shit down, shutting it down. She had to go to another state. She had the means to go to another state. And one of the things I didn't bring up about abortion, I don't even mean to talk about abortion is so Kate Cox had the actual, she had the means to leave the state. The poor women of Texas, the women who don't have the means. You got to take that non-viable baby and take it to term because, oh, just leave the state and go have the procedure done somewhere else. That requires money. And there are some women, there are a lot of women, they have sex too. Poor women have sex too. Poor women have non-viable babies. They will... They might not be so as fortunate as Kate Cox. But anyways, so I'm reading an article. Ken Paxton and his office in Texas, they uh, contacted what Seattle uh, Children's Orthopedic Hospital in, in, my, in my city, Seattle. And they wanted information regarding children who had from, from the state of Texas who potentially had, had gender-affirming care in the state of Washington. Well, Seattle Children's Hospital, Seattle Hospital said no to this. They're actually suing Ken Paxton and and tech, the state of Texas, uh, client, you know, patient, patient, doctor privilege. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not a lawyer. I don't have the article right in front of me to give you the exact verbiage, but they're suing Ken Paxton. My question for Ken Paxton is: so you get this information and you find out a nine year old. And his parents, his or his or her parents, flew to the state of Washington, had a medical procedure done for their their child, which their doctor and the parents deemed necessary. What are you going to do? Do you want the parents arrested? Do you? Do you want the doctor? Do you want the state of Washington maybe to 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 be in trouble? Uh, go after them. The, go go after the doctors. Like you have threatened the doctors in the state throughout the entire state of Texas. Ken, 
What do you want to do with that information? Now, we, we will get into transgender care even more. We've talked about trans before, the hatred behind it, the passion behind it, all of this sort of stuff. We will get into that more. But I just have a fundamental question. Do we want attorney generals potentially coming after parents, children, doctors, states for performing a medical procedure? For Hey, I heard Ben Shapiro, the right-wing podcaster, Ben Shapiro say 80% of the people who get gender-affirming care, they regret it. And I've seen numbers the exact opposite. And I'm not going to get into those numbers. What I'm asking you is if you are a parent of a child that's got some serious issues inside and you have gone through a process and you have, you and your husband, you and your wife, you and your doctors have identified gender affirming care. Hey, there's only two, there's only two genders. Hey, you want to become one of those genders. You don't feel you are right now. You want a medical procedure to help your child out. Do we want politicians? Do we want attorney generals coming after people that perform, that, that, that go to another state to perform a medical procedure when it is illegal in that state? Is that what America's all about? So, you know, I, I, I told you like the first episode, the first fucking episode, I'm social, I'm a social Democrat. I'm socially liberal. Excuse me, I, I'm, I'm a liberal Democrat. People, and I, people associate all different things with being liberal. And I told you, I associate freedom with being liberal. I really do. Well, Ben Shapiro, you say, you just throw out some fucking crazy number, that 80% regret it. Does that mean 20% don't regret it? And if there, and if that means 20% don't regret it, is there a foundation? Is this, this medical procedure, this gender-affirming care, essential for some kids? Is it essential for some kids? Or, nope, nobody can have it until they're, until they're past 18. You got to live with it. You got to live with whatever the demons that are going on inside of your body. I mean, hell, we have kids that are born without arms and limbs, all sorts of stuff, things inside that didn't grow right in the womb. It's impossible to think that they're, you know, whether they're they're a male or a female, and they don't know, and, and things are going on inside their own body, and and there's a medical option to take care of that. And it's outlawed. It's outlawed. Do we want politicians, attorney generals coming after parents, coming after kids for a medical procedure? Is that freedom? Is that freedom? No way. No way. All right, Kenny Paxton. Why did you want that information? What were you going to do with that information? Lock those fucking parents up. Who agrees with that? Raise your hand, left. Raise your hand, right. Nihilists, independents. Who wants to jail fucking parents? Kenny Paxton, what say you, bitch? 
All right. Goodness. Jeffrey Epstein. He's in the news. Why is he in the news? Uh-oh, they're going to release his secret list. Santa's secret list. Uh-oh, who was on who who was going on the Lolita Express? We know Bill Clinton was going on and, and traveled on the Lolita Express. And we know Bill Clinton's a pig. We do. Hey, I'm a liberal Democrat. Might have been a, a a good politician, but throughout his life, from governor of Arkansas to the time he was president, he was a womanizing, cheating bum. Okay? This is what he was. Now, he could talk, Slick Willie, he could talk really good, and he balanced the budget as president. Some people call him the greatest Republican president of all time. He's not really beloved anymore by either side. And this whole Jeffrey Epstein thing, Clinton had a relationship with Epstein. What kind of relationship? I'm not so sure. Now, And just because you wind up on Jeffrey Epstein's list does not make you a pedophile. It is not a good look. I don't want to be on that fucking list. No way. No way. But I'm sure Jeffrey Epstein banged plenty of of age women. And I'm sure plenty of his friends who like to travel to his island, you know, hey, he got a 42-year-old mature women. That's what they liked. And I guess if somebody liked a underage girl, he might have, you know, he he had that option on the menu as well. But uh, who else is on that list? Who else? We know Clinton. And I saw Marjorie Taylor Greene tweeted out, basically called Bill Clinton a pedophile, belongs in jail. He's going to be on this list. We have video. Donald Trump was a personal close friend of Jeffrey Epstein's. We've got video of him in heat. Trump is in heat with Epstein when they're they've got like the 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 Dallas Cowboy, the Miami Dolphin cheerleaders, and those two are just looking at these cheerleaders like meat. Now they're not underage. I'm not you know uh, accusing Donald Trump of banging young women, even though he's been accused. He I believe there's a rape charge out there of an underage woman. Probably all bullshit, right? It always is with the Don with the King. But if if Marjorie Taylor Greene, my girl, my sweetheart, if if she can tweet out, it's really simple. This is such this is this is where politics gets so fucked up. You know, Republicans are for Republicans and Democrats for Democrats. Well, Machine Gun Taylor Greene, good old Machine Gun, she wants Clinton in jail. If he's he's on this list, he shows up. He's a pedophile. Pedophiles belong in jail, she says. Trump's going to be on this list too, sweetheart. Do you understand that? Was he only banging the 25-year-old Russian models that Jeffrey Epstein got for him and Clinton was doing the underage girls? You're either on the list or not. Like I said, the list does not mean you're a pedophile. It is an awful fucking look. But it can't be just an awful look for Bill Clinton. And it is. If it's an awful look for Bill Clinton, it's an awful look for your fucking king, Machine Gun Taylor Green. Now, another twist in this case. Um, Aaron Rodgers is on a podcast. And uh, was it the Pat McAfee show? It's gotten, geez, it's just fucking monstrous. The dude makes like $25 million a year doing his his his, his podcast. But uh, Aaron Rodgers on the podcast floats that Jimmy Kimmel's on the list. That's He just throws it out there. Jimmy Kimmel comes back and says, I'll see your fucking ass in court, motherfucker. Aaron Rodgers, 
is Jimmy Kimball on that list? I, I sure as hell hope for your sake he is. If I was Aaron Rodgers, if I was a think about this, I don't no politics, no politics. Somebody publicly says that you're on Jeffrey Epstein's list and you have no affiliation with Jeff, Jeffrey Epstein whatsoever. One, I, I'd want to fight that motherfucker. Now, Aaron probably could beat up Jimmy Kimmel, so maybe he doesn't want to do that. Two, I'd, I'd want to sue that motherfucker. We'll find out. Aaron, did you open your mouth when you shouldn't have? Jimmy, do you have something to hide? And that's what's crazy. We're speculate, speculating about it right now. So, Aaron, to make that accusation, you better be right. You can't be wrong. We'll find out. We'll find out. Who's right? Who's wrong? So, all right. A little more politics. Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley. It's just closer. I'm looking at 538 polls like a son of a gun, just like I'm going to ESPN following Michigan versus Washington. So, I'm following Nikki Haley, and she's inching closer in national polls. And nobody's doing good in Iowa against the King. But in New Hampshire, there's a, there's a couple. There's a poll out. They've got a poll with Haley, and it's a pretty new poll, Haley and uh, Trump, and it's three points. It's three points. Trump called the poll total bullshit. Of course he did. Like we've talked about over and over again, like like Ron DeSantos has talked about, he's not going to accept the results. He just won't. Why the fuck are you guys running if he won't accept the results? Just hand him the trophy. Just hand him the nomination. And so Nikki is closing in a little bit in New Hampshire. Her her, her polls in South Carolina, which are important because they're her home state, they're still problematic. But a win, a win or almost a tie in New Hampshire could propel her, especially if things come out like, hey, this Epstein thing is supposed to break in January. If Trump's on the list, I mean, I'm not holding my breath. Trump can literally do anything and he gets supported by a certain percentage of the right. So I'm rooting for Nikki Haley. She's closing in New Hampshire. Make this a race. Make this a race. Because with the indictments, with the Epstein thing, with with everything Trump's got going on, shit can happen. Shit can happen. And maybe the race could turn on a dime after four or five contests. Maybe all of a sudden you're neck and neck with him because of all of the, the peril he's in. And maybe Republicans see, shit, this might be our best chance at winning the White House. So, now, Nikki Haley did have a flub that I have to bring up. We've talked slavery on the show. We've talked Black Lives Matter. It's very important. I wish when I was growing up I knew a hell of a lot more about Black Reconstruction than I than I ever did. Just simply, it really wasn't taught. <clears throat> Martin Luther King was taught, but no real black reconstruction when I was going going into school. And Nikki Haley was asked a softball question about why the Civil War took place. And she skirted around the question. She was afraid to give the easy two plus two answer, which slavery is responsible. Slavery is responsible. She talked about how it was complicated and it was it was a government thing. It was a states' rights thing, which is a, an argument for p- 
people who don't, for, for some reason, are ewed out by slavery. Yeah, it's a fucking stain on our past. It's still okay to talk about. It's still okay to talk about. You're not apologizing for being white by talking about slavery. And so she couldn't give this simple answer. And she got all sorts of ridicule that she couldn't say slavery. She came out. She came out immediately afterwards, after she's getting ridiculed, and said, of, of course it's slavery. I don't have the exact quote she said, but she said, of course it's slavery was the reason. And so Nikki Haley's, you know, she says, of course it's slavery. And the left's like, oh, you stupid bitch. Ha, ha, ha. And the right is like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was for states' rights. She's screwed either way she goes. But Nikki Haley said the answer was simple. If the answer was so simple, Nikki, how come you just couldn't give the two plus twos for answer? It was slavery. You had to skirt around it. Who are you afraid of in your party? What percentage of your party do you believe would have been disgusted by you just saying, duh, it's slavery? Slavery was why the Civil War started. You know, I, I've gotten in an argument, I, I, you know, many times, which is one of the reasons why I'm done fighting. I'm so done fighting. No more arguments for Nick the American. I'm all about uniting. But, uh, you know, in, in, in years past, gotten in, into, into conversations and, well, you know, the Civil War was fought over states' rights, not necessarily slavery. And you just put your head down and you scratch your head and your heart hurts a little bit. And you're like, states' rights to do what? To do what? To own black people. So, Nikki, it was a it was a simple answer for a member of a party, the Republican Party, who every four years at their convention will beat their fucking chests and let you know, let the American people know that we are the party of Abraham Lincoln. I got news for you. If you're the party of Abraham Lincoln, The answer to why the Civil War took place should be really fucking easy. Hey, Nikki apologized. I don't believe you're a racist. I believe you're a good person. I can move on. I can move on. We need to be better as a country. We need to learn to accept apologies. I don't know if she apologized. I don't even care if she did. She wronged the right. Now, there's still it's still problematic. It's still problematic. But for the party of Abraham Lincoln, this should be as easy as two plus two. And it's not. It's not. Those parties flipped, by the way. They flipped. They fucking flipped. Party of Abraham Lincoln. Okay. Biden electability. Biden electability. Biden electability. The most important election of our lifetime. And we're going to wheel out Joe Paterno. I mean, Joe Biden. I listen to my kids on a weekly basis talk about Biden and, oh, he fucked up again. He flubbed again. TikTok is killing Biden. TikTok has defined Joe Biden. Joe Biden has been defined by America's youth, the young kids of this country, the college. It's done. He's been defined. If he is the Democratic nominee, there will be no excitement around the Democratic ticket. We will be, for the second straight presidential election, 
trying to be, hey, Trump is the worst thing ever. Just vote for solid old Joe. Presidential elections are about excitement. We need a candidate on the left that excites the youth, gets people fired up, gets people to want to register to vote. It's not good enough to say, hey, register to vote because Trump is so awful. He's going to throw a grenade in our democracy for the second time. And this time, it could be a hell of a lot worse. If I'm the DNC, is it Jamie Harrison's the head of the DNC, I believe? There's got to be a backup plan. You've got, there's got to be some sort of inside logistics going on right now what are we going to do are we trump versus biden is going to be very close biden will win the popular vote and can trump win arizona can trump win georgia and then can he pick up a michigan a wisconsin a pennsylvania he needs three he needs three you think arizona and georgia which he, he narrowly lost last time. Voter fraud. No voter fraud, King. Shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. By the way, I just saw, I just saw with regards to voter fraud, Trump, Trump uh, hired a firm to find voter fraud right after the election. He hires this firm. The firm comes back to him and says, there's no evidence of voter fraud. We had Republicans and Democrats who owned two homes that voted twice. It was done equally on both sides, but nothing to move the needle on the election. Needle on, and then Trump came out and said he's got voter fraud. He hired a firm. Now Jack Smith, one of the attorneys who's who's going after Trump, all of this information has been subpoenaed. He's got Trump's own firm who told Trump no voter fraud, and then he took that information and lied to the American people. God, I get off on a fucking tangent. Can't stand that motherfucker. We've got to have somebody different than Biden. If, if we're sitting around here and this is the most important election of our lifetime and we end up fucking losing, then the Democratic Party is worthless. It's worthless. We can see this coming a mile away. This is going to be a tight race, a race that Trump can't lose. If you put someone forth, young, fresh, Pete Buttigieg, Wes Moore, Gavin Newsom, Roy Cooper, fucking John Stewart, Trump's dead meat. Trump's dead meat. Maybe that would make Republicans realize, hey, Trump's dead meat. We've got to go Nikki Haley. We've got to pivot to Ron DeSantos and fast because we've already had seven primaries right now and Trump's got a, a, an elector, or a, a delicate lead. <clears throat> so wake up, Democrats, you stupid fucking idiots. Biden is not our future. America's youth recognizes this and they're not going to come and vote for him like they would a traditional Democrat. They're not going to be excited about him like they might if one of the other aforementioned Democrats that I mentioned runs. Okay. All right. We're winding down. Boy, 51 minutes. I look at the, look at the clock. This is a long one. This is, this is what happens when we get into the new year, ladies and gentlemen. This is what happens. Oak Island was on last night. Oak Island, I'm telling you, if you like treasure, Oak Island is so cool. 
they are farther than they've ever been at 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 finding out what took place on this island. And I and I bring up Oak Island because I've got there's some some actual evidence on this island that's kind of cool that's been surfacing the last several episodes. Will, there's a guy named William Phipps, privateer in the 1600s. Okay, he uh, found a ship called the Concepcion. And this ship, they've got the log. He recovered all sorts of stuff. He returned home, wherever the fuck home was, I forget. And he didn't offload all of the treasure that was found. So there's supposedly all this treasure from this William Phipps privateer out there somewhere. And for years, you know, they've had people come to Oak Island to give all these stories about who buried treasure on this island. And the list is so long, and you're like, not all these people. So all of these people have these ideas of buried treasure. But here's what's exciting. They're finding artifacts on Oak Island that have the same physical and chemical properties, exact, as things that they found from William Phipps's ships. There's a direct connection. They're, I mean, it's not 100% proof, I would say. They are finding all sorts of maritime artifacts that are literally identical in physical makeup to those of William Phipps. That's exciting. I don't know if they're going to find William Phipps's treasure, but they are telling such an incredible story that could potentially rework, you know, how we view history. So if you haven't checked out Oak Island on the history channel, I've done all the legwork for you. I've watched like the last six years of finding, you know, little to nothing. They're finding really cool stuff. It is an archaeological dig that just excites me to no end. If if, if this kind of stuff floats your boat, watch Oak Island. It's getting interesting. And uh, they're, they're, I mean, they're, they're building shafts going down deeper than ever before, getting high-def cameras in, 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 in tunnel systems that were created. Who... Who you know? I argue with my kids. Who the fuck is digging tunnels 150 feet below the ground? 250 years ago. Got to be something important, right? Now my belief is that everything has been found, and you'll find some relics and 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 some castaway artifacts. But I want the story to be told. I want the story to be told. I want to learn more about the story, and uh, they're finding treasure. They're finding treasure. Just how do you exactly define treasure? You find a 2,000-year-old Roman coin. That's treasure to me. Now, we want the chest. We want a gold bar, for sure. I do, desperately. I told you a long time ago. Sat up the entire night with my dad watching Al Capone's vault getting opened. Only to be disappointed with a few beer bottles. Maybe it'll be different. All right, we're wrapping this show up here. Initiative 15, ladies and gentlemen. Initiative 15. What is your 15? 15% better at what? What can you do in 2024? I want American politicians on both sides of the aisle to identify what 15% means to them. Hey, Marjorie Taylor Greene, can you be 15% more civil? Can you? I don't know. Chuck Schumer, can you be 15% more willing to compromise? Rashida Tlaib, are you 15% w- more willing to be open 
about a two-state solution with Palestine and Israel. I don't know. What is your 15%? Sean Hannity, I got to fucking have it from you, baby. I got to have it from you. I need you to be 15% kinder to Democrats. Rachel Maddow, I need the same thing to Republicans. We're going to run. We're going to have a Republican. We're going to have a Democrat, okay? And they're going to propose this piece of legislation, and we're going to do this for the American people, which is going to upset some and, and make some happy. There's no piece of legislation that is going to fix this country. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. If this entire country, from its citizens to its media members to its politicians, all adopted Initiative 15, and they found what was their 15? What could they do 15% better in Congress? What could they do 15% better in the Senate? What could you do 15% better with your neighbors who you disagree with politically? Could we get this country moving better than it is? Could we get this country feeling good about itself if we just changed our tone by 15%? There's all sorts of things we could do, but... Instead of legislation on the left, on the right, what if the left and the right both could look each other in the eye, stand up on a podium, and make a pledge to the American people that I'm down with Initiative 15? I can be 15% better. Maybe we could change the mood, the overall feel, that our country isn't fractured at all. Our country is a team. And, and as a football coach... I can't have 50 guys on my football team all go in different directions, disliking each other and all that. We don't give a fuck how we feel politically. We're there to do a job. Now, it's different in politics. I understand that. I understand that. But if this is a team, this country is a team, and it is, hey, whether you love all the members or you hate all the members, like it or not, this is a team. And as a coach, how do you get a team? To work together. You got to. You got to figure it out. Initiative 15. I ask you, American people, what can you do 15% better? What can you do? The American media, the American politicians, give Nick the American 15% more of something. Of something. It's November. No, it's uh, it's uh, January third, twenty twenty four. Happy New Year, all of you guys. Go out and kill it. Until the next time. Until next week, Washington, Michigan. Next week, we will talk about it. Go Huskies. Love you. Goodbye.